Thank you, Elise, and a good morning, Redeemer. Uh, it's a great, a great joy to be with you, to see so many of you. We can, we're thankful that we, we have this much capacity. We can welcome uh, us, but also invite friends. Uh, it's a joy to be together uh, today. Many people are joining our church. Um, if you're a member, then uh, remember this Wednesday night, we've got our members meeting. Uh, we'll be voting lots of new members in. Uh, it's such a joy to, to be here. Let's pray and ask that, that God would show us uh, wonderful things in his word today. Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, you have shown yourself to us. Uh, we thank you for Jesus and we ask that we would see him clearly today. Help us to see Jesus and his glory. By the, the light of Jesus, help us to see all things. Open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word. It's in Jesus' great and good name that we pray. Amen. Well, in 1799, uh, 11 years after European settlement in Australia, uh, some specimens started to arrive from Australia back in England. The scientists had heard of this supposed animal this animal was meant to lay eggs like a lizard or a reptile. Uh, it supposedly fed milk to its young like a mammal. It had a bill like a duck. It had a tail like a beaver. It had feet like an otter. It sounded ridiculous. Uh, people knew that well, animals were either an, a mammal uh, that gave birth sort of towards the young live, or, or a lizard, a reptile that, that sort of gives birth in, in an egg or a bird. They couldn't be both. And then the specimens started to arrive. Scientists gathered to, to examine these specimens and they came to the same conclusion. This is a hoax. Uh, they, they examined these strange specimens and concluded, actually, this is a hoax. Uh, some particularly good taxidermists have sewn together this animal. They took the, the bill of a duck, uh, they, the body of a mole, and they've sewn it together. And they've done it so well, you, you almost can't see it. This is a fake. They, they had all this evidence in front of them, but they were sure it, it couldn't be. We know what kinds of animals there are, and this just doesn't fit until more and more people saw these animals in Australia. More and more specimens were sent. And they realised that despite their, their doubts, well, the evidence showed well, this was an animal. It was the platypus. It's a strange animal. They, they had to expand. There's, within mammals, they now recognise there's a kind of mammal called a monotreme, which does give, give birth with, with eggs, uh, but which remains a mammal. People had, had resisted because they thought they knew how the world worked. People thought they knew what, what it took to classify an animal. And despite all this evidence being thrown at them, they still didn't believe until they were just overwhelmed by the, the sheer amount of evidence. Today we're going to see, again, the Son of God, the light of the world in his own world interacting with people, healing people, talking with people. Uh, he's going to see him giving evidence to who God is. We're sadly going to see some people resisting that, rejecting the evidence that is right in front of them. 
We'll see Jesus healing the eyes of the blind, but more than that, we'll see him giving spiritual sight, even while many refuse to see. Uh, Today we'll see that the light of the world gives sight to the blind, that the spiritually blind may refuse to see, but that Jesus pursues us that we might see him. Uh, First, we'll we'll see that the light of the world gives sight to the blind as Jesus uh, performs a wonderful healing. Join me in chapter 9 from verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. So I think this man, he's he's never seen, never seen colours. He's heard the voice of his parents, yet never seen their face. He's heard the chirp of birds, yet never seen them or the blue sky behind them. He's never seen. Uh, But we're told that Jesus sees him. That kind of man, someone sitting by the side of the road begging, I think many people choose not to see. Many people just don't notice. But we hear that Jesus sees this man. His disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. And here the disciples are making a big assumption. They're giving us a hint of what this kind of spiritual blindness looks like. Here we're meeting some people already who think they know how the world works. Uh, they, th- they see this man in suffering, this man who has been blind, and they, so, they think, we know why he's blind. Either his parents sinned or he sinned really early. Or... And there's some truth to what they say because the Bible does tell us that suffering is in the world because of sin. Uh, all the suffering, all the brokenness of our world is the result of our rejection of God. There was no suffering before we re- rebelled and rejected God. Yet to jump from that, that suffering is here because of sin and to say, I see specific sin and I'm attaching it to specific suffering, that's not anything any of us can see. They make a big assumption. They assume that they know, that they see. And Jesus tells them they're dead wrong. He says it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus said there's a bigger reason, there's another reason. Don't think that you know, don't think that you can see everything. He says you're going to see the works of God through him. He says we must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So when the disciples saw this man, they saw a theological problem, a theological question. Oh, let's debate about who sinned or... Where Jesus doesn't see a theological debate... Jesus sees a person who is suffering. Jesus sees a man in need and he comes towards him in love to heal him. This man who has never seen, as Jesus spit on the ground, makes some mud and put it on his eyes. And I wonder what he thought. 
Obviously, it wasn't a COVID year. Spitting, sharing saliva. Um, and it, it seems kind of gross. But there's something here, something intimate, almost like in Genesis 2, where God forms humanity uh, through, through the dirt of the ground, through the breath. And I wonder what this man thought when he put mud on his eyes and said, Go. But whatever he thought, whatever he knew, he went. He went, washed in the pool of Siloam, and he came back seeing. The first time he could see colour, his eyes were open. He could see faces, see the birds, see the buildings. And this is the, the hopes of Israel. This is what God's people had been looking forward to. Joey pointed us earlier to uh, to Isaiah, where it promised that one day that God would heal the eyes of the blind. That comes up, up a few times in Isaiah. In chapter 35, again, verse 5, we're told, The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, the tongue of the mute sing for joy. God promised a day is coming, a day of healing, when the blind will see a day when sins will be forgiven, a day when God will come to his people. And as this blind man is healed, we see that day has come. Salvation has arrived. Jesus helps the blind man to see. He gives him his sight. But this passage will show us that as amazing as this is, as brilliant it is for this man to see the face of his parents, his friends, to see the world, experience the world through sight. There was a deeper vision. There was a deeper sight that Jesus came to give him. And there's a deeper problem. There's something worse than not having physical sight. And that's the spiritual blindness that will be exposed in the rest of this passage. Because the man is healed, yet he's suddenly the, the focus of an investigation. As people trying to find out what happened, and we see that actually, well, people actually think they already know what happened. And the spiritually blind will refuse to see. Uh, so as this man has a new sight, we'll, we'll meet many different people who aren't seeing clearly. First, there's the neighbours in verse 8. The neighbours and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, "Is this not the man who used to sit and beg?" Some says he. he now some say it is he. Others say no, but he's like him. There's a whole lot of confusion. You see, these people who have physical sight—they're not seeing clearly. They can't decide whether this is the guy or not, even though they might have walked past him every day for years. And he, but he kept saying, "I am the man." It's clear, the evidence is right here. It's the eyewitness testimony who'd experienced the miracle. It says, it's me, I was healed. So they said to him, how are your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. Uh, they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. This man is very clear. He gives sort of his testimony. This is exactly what happened. 
Yet we'll see increasingly these coming verses that while the evidence is there, people are refusing to see it. People are refusing to believe it. His neighbours take him to the Pharisees. And I don't think they were sort of dobbing him in or handing him, handing him over. I think they were just trying to grapple with the miracle. If this really was the man that they had seen blind all those years, then they just witnessed a miracle. And who do you report a miracle to? Who do you go to to make sense of a miracle? Well, the religious leaders, those who are meant to know God. And so they take him to the Pharisees. But here we'll see that the Pharisees especially, they all refuse to see because they already think they know, they think they already see. Uh, Verse 14, we're told it was the Sabbath day uh, when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So Pharisees again asked him how he'd received his sight. And he said to them, we put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. It's interesting, every time the man speaks, he says less because he's given his statement. He said exactly what happened. And the more and more people ask, the more he realises, I'm not sure if you actually want, want, want to know. You're asking me for other reasons. I've told you, the, the evidence is here. He put mud on my eyes, I washed and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. They're sure they, they already know. Uh, Some of them say, well, we know that he's broken the Sabbath, therefore there's no way he can be from God. This was their understanding of the Sabbath. Not sure if it was he'd worked or maybe what he'd done with the mud was technically work or, or healing. But what they understood as breaking the Sabbath had been broken. Therefore, they assumed we already know this man's from God and we're not gonna let any evidence tell us otherwise. There's others who seem to suspect something different, that maybe he was from God, yet their reasoning still isn't clear. Uh, They said, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? It's a good question, but actually in the Bible, lots of people who are sinners do signs. Uh, Moses did did miracles, yet the, the magicians of Pharaoh also did miracles. To see a miracle, to see a sign is not a guarantee that anyone is from God. You need something more. Uh, They ask him, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. But still, these, these Jews, they don't want to believe. The Jews did not believe that he'd been blind and he'd received his sight until they called the parents of the man who'd received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? Does he now see? See, they had the eyewitness testimony from the man, but they're looking for a reason not to believe it. They find the parents, like he wasn't really born blind, was he? The parents say, well, he was. This is our son, he was born blind. Uh, But now he see, how he sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself. In some ways, his parents are very right. Said, why are you talking to us? He's the one who experienced the miracle. He's the one who saw Jesus, who heard Jesus. You should be talking to him, he's of age. 
But in another way, they're afraid. Because they know, we're told, that these religious leaders have already made up their minds. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. His parents said, yeah, this is our son, but they didn't want to do anything that would get them kicked out of the synagogue. Anything that would get them removed from their social life, their religious life, their community. They weren't willing to kind of side with Jesus. But they were right, actually. The Pharisees didn't need to be asking them. This, this man, his, his witness of Jesus was, was true. They could just listen to him. So for a second time, the leaders called the man who'd been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. And he answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? I love this. Uh, the man, he seems to be getting shorter. He seems to be realising, actually, you don't want to actually hear the truth. You're just interviewing. You're trying to catch me. He says less and less. But at the same time, there's the joy here of someone who has met Jesus. There's the joy that actually no one else saw me, but when Jesus walked past, he saw me. It's the joy that Jesus has come to me and shown me grace and love and healing. He's experienced that. Uh, he now is willing to be called a disciple of this man. And he wants to share it with others. He's like, you, surely you want to know too? It reminds me sometime of sometimes my children, especially when they were very young and how they would, I'd be so careful sharing the gospel, maybe with friends or family. And my children would just go straight up and say, hey, do you know Jesus? Uh, you should love Jesus. It's like, oh, my children don't know that you're meant to be embarrassed about it yet. And uh, <laughs> this wonderful just love for Jesus. This man, he doesn't know everything yet, but what he knows, he will stand by. What he knows, he will share. Um, he says, do you want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. They keep saying, we know, we know. They think they know, they think they see. And even if the light of the world is standing in front of them, they're unwilling to look. We know. And Jesus says, why this is an amazing, oh sorry, the, the man says, why this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. You're meant to be the religious leaders. You're meant to be the experts on the Bible and God. And you don't know who this guy is? We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshipper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. The man testifies to Jesus. 
The man testifies to what he has seen. He stands up for it. He thinks about it. He even seems to be growing in his understanding as he thinks about it. He says, I've experienced this. This is not a sinner. This is a good man. He must be from God. But they answered him, you were born in utter sin. Would you teach us? And they cast him out. And that's, that's classic for people who will refuse to listen, who think they already know. Well, if you can't kind of refute the evidence, then you can attack the person who's saying it. Uh, they attack him. They say, you were born in sin. They say, actually, who are you to teach us? We're the religious leaders anyway. They've made up their mind. They think they know. They think they see. They're spiritually blind. And they won't accept the evidence in front of them. Uh, They cast him out. And in doing so, they give us a a scary picture of spiritual blindness. It is possible to think that actually we know how, I know how the world works. I know uh, what God is like. And I'm not going to let anything change my mind. Yet when the Son of God comes into our world, when the the light of the world enters into our creation, as we see him, as we saw him 2,000 years ago on earth, as we see him today in his word, uh, we see his light. By ourselves, we, we are all blind. By ourselves, we cannot know God. By ourselves, we, we struggle to see. Yet here we see that the Son of God, the light of the world, has come to show himself, to reveal himself, that we might see him. And that this man, this man who once was blind, as he comes to know Jesus, well, he seems to lose everything. He's cast out. Cast out of the synagogue, that would have been sort of his cultural home, that probably was the place where he was cared for and provided for. This would have been his community and he was cast out. He was told, you're on the outside, you don't belong with God and his people. Yet as he's cast out, we see that Jesus pursues him, uh, that he would see Jesus. And Jesus pursues us that we might see him. In verse 35, we hear that Jesus heard that they had cast him out and found him. Isn't that wonderful? It feels like he's lost everything. He's been cast out. He's been told you don't belong with God's people. You're kicked out of your community. Yet Jesus, the Son of God, pursues him. He goes after him and he finds him. And having found him, He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you've seen him, and it's he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus saw this man and gave him physical sight. That is amazing. That had not been done. That was a sign of the healing, the salvation that God is bringing to our world. Yet Jesus had something even better to give him. He wanted him to see Jesus clearly, to know who he was. And he says, Jesus says to him in verse 37, you have seen him and it's he who is speaking to you. 
Jesus pursues this man uh, so that he might see. And this man has seen, I guess, progressively. Throughout this passage, his understanding has been growing. At first, Jesus told him to go and wash. No, he probably didn't know much about Jesus. Well, he obeyed, he trusted, and he went and he washed. When people started to ask, he said, I know his name's Jesus. But then as people keep putting the pressure on, he actually seems to grow. He starts to think about these things he's seen. Uh, He hasn't actually seen more of Jesus yet, but he says, actually, well, he must be at least a prophet. And as they keep speaking, saying he's a sinner, he says, I don't know if he's a sinner, but I know I was blind, but now I see. And as people keep putting the pressure on and saying, no, we know he's a sinner, this man keeps thinking. Actually, this man can't be a sinner. I've seen the power of God in him. I've experienced his love. And he grows in his understanding till Jesus comes and reveals more of himself. Uh, Where Jesus, where people have been refusing to see Jesus, where the light of the world has been in front of them and people have turned away, Jesus pursues him, asks, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he asks, well, who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? This man doesn't know everything yet, but he wants to know. I hope that's an encouragement to you. You feel like you don't know everything. Maybe you're trying to find out who Jesus is. It's so good that you you are here. Please continue to look to God's word where, where we can get to know Jesus. Maybe you trust Jesus, but you feel like maybe your Bible knowledge isn't that good. You could, you could feel embarrassed or going to a Bible study or something because you think everyone else will know the Bible so much better and you don't know much. It's a great opportunity. That's the place to be where you can grow and get to know God better. But also don't be, don't be afraid. Here we see the man, he trusts God with what he has. What God has revealed to him, uh, he, he trusts him. He stands by it and he seeks to know God better. He thinks about what has been revealed to him. And then he he seeks, and when the Son of God speaks, he listens. When the Son of God speaks, he obeys. And when the Son of God speaks, when he reveals himself, he worships. Don't be discouraged if you feel like you don't know it all. It's good that you realise you don't know it all. But come to God who wants you to know him and you will know him better. You will understand his word. Um, The son of God pursues us that we will know him. This passage also tells us some wonderful things, uh, some good things about suffering. Jesus breaks the necessary connection between sin and suffering. Because at the beginning, people assume that if someone's suffering, it must be because of a specific sin. But Jesus said, that is not the case. Jesus breaks that connection, particularly because we see Jesus himself. He is the perfect one. He's the one who never sinned. Yet what did he experience? He experienced rejection right here in today's passage. Uh, He experienced suffering. He died, though he was perfect. Jesus breaks that connection between suffering and sin because he, the perfect one, the sinless one, took on the punishment we deserve. He entered into our world of suffering. 
so that we who do sin, so that we might experience his life, his relationship with the Father, so that we might be forgiven. He says important things about suffering. If you might be suffering, but know that while sin is the, uh, suffering is the result of sin, know that your suffering is not necessarily because of your sin. It's possible to be righteous, yet suffer. We are a part of God's broken world. But you can look to Jesus and see that actually if you're suffering, not because God's punishing you. If you know Jesus, you know that all the punishment has been taken away. You can know Jesus has broken that necessary connection between sin and suffering. We see it also with opposition and persecution. This man comes to know Jesus and immediately is opposed. He's under pressure. And that's a hard thing. We, don't, we never wish for opposition. We never wish for persecution. But see how God uses this opposition to grow this man. It's actually as the pressure is put on, it's as people come and ask him hard questions, as people come and challenge what he has seen of Jesus, that he's actually led to stand up and say, no, I do know Jesus. I I, I do trust Jesus. This is a good man. I was blind, but now I see. God uses this persecution. He uses this, this opposition actually to grow this man. And secondly, though this man is kicked out, uh, we're told he was cast out of the synagogue, Uh, Jesus pursued him to draw him in. I know many of you have felt some kind of exclusion because of your faith. Maybe it's from family who don't share your faith in Jesus or friends or colleagues. Sadly, for some of you, it might be a church where you saw, you saw Jesus clearly in his word and tried to stand for that and you were told you weren't welcome or that that truth wasn't welcome. I hope you find comfort here that even if this man was cast out, that Jesus pursued him, that we might see him. You might not know everything about Jesus, but what he has shown you in his word, hold on to that, stand up for that. It may be costly, but the Son of God will be with you and he will come with you. And no matter where you get kicked out to, he will pursue you, that you would know him and experience him and see him better. Jesus pursues us that we might see him. And finally, we... we see that while we were blind, uh, we can now say that we see. Verse 39, Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, that those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. Here, Jesus is very clear that this wasn't just about physical sight. Uh, There is this deadly spiritual blindness that people will not see Jesus, that people refuse to see Jesus. 
and he has come that the blind will see. But it can also be a bit confusing because how should we see ourselves? Should we say that we are those who see? Or should we say that we are those who are blind? If Jesus has shown himself to us, if we've met Jesus, the light of the world, if we've experienced him and we've seen what he, and believed what he says to us in his word, well, I think we can say what the man says and what we sang earlier in Amazing Grace. I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. Even John, as he writes this account, he keeps referring to this man as uh, the one who had, the man who had been blind. It's a lot of words, it's an awkward thing, but the formerly blind man. But we're actually reminded that he's the one who was blind. So too we should remember that, well actually we can see because Jesus has shown himself to us, uh, but we were blind uh, by ourselves. Now some people might, might look to this and some people might say, no, it's just arrogant. It's arrogant to say that you see. You believe that God's word is sure. You believe that God's word is true. That's arrogant. I've heard some people talk about it uh, using the picture of the blind man and the elephant. And so some people might say, oh, isn't, what if God is like an elephant? And all the different religions, they're like different blind men kind of trying to figure out what the elephant's like. And maybe the Christians are there with the, the leg saying, oh yes, yeah, okay, God is like a tree because I can feel what this, this thing is like. And then there's another religion over touching the tail and saying, oh, okay, no, no, God is like a rope. Or someone else had the ears and oh no, maybe God is like some big leaves. Um, and some people, you might've had friends who kind of say, no, all the religions, they're just the same. And some people say, okay, no, no, this, I see what things are like. Yeah, all the different religions, they're all just grasping at one truth. They're all kind of the same in the end. Now there's, a couple, there's some big problems with that. The first problem is that who is it that claims to see all of this? If someone said this to you, well, you ask them, well, how do you know this? Because if you're saying that all the great religions of the world, they're all blind people, well, who are you that sees all of them and sees everything clearly? That's actually a very proud, arrogant space to be in, to say, I've actually figured this out. But the more important question is, what if the elephant speaks? What if the elephant can cure blindness? Because in the end, we're not kind of grasping to find God. God has come into our world to show himself to us. God has come and spoken to us. We don't need to grasp or search for God like we need to find him somewhere. The light of the world has entered the world and revealed himself to us. John chapter one told us, told us just this. Uh, John chapter one said, in verse nine, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Uh, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. 
But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We can confidently say, brothers and sisters, I was blind, but now I see, and I see clearly, because we couldn't find God. We couldn't understand God. We were blind. But Jesus, the Son of God, came to us. The light of the world entered our world and revealed himself. As we see the account of of his life, what he has said to us in his word, we can say, I now see, I can now know God. Here we meet the God who's entered into our world and has pursued us. We meet the God who has come and healed our spiritual blindness. We meet the God who came and lived the perfect life, who was the truly good man, so that we might be forgiven and we might win the life he deserved because he took the death that we deserved. We can confidently say, brothers and sisters, I was blind, but now I see because the light of the world has come. He's pursued us and he gives us life. Let's hold on to that light. Let's hold on to that truth. Let's stand for it like this this formerly blind man did. No matter what it costs, we'll know that Jesus is with us. He pursues us that we might see him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Uh, that you've not left us to find you, but you have come to find us. I thank you for your Son in whom we see your glory, your light, your grace, in whom we see the way, the truth, the life. Lord, we pray for, for anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord, would you open our eyes? Would you help us to see Jesus Would you help us to see you in your word? Would you help us to understand? Would you help us to work and to think about what we see in your word? And as we meet your son, help us to trust him. Help us to trust whatever it is we know. Help us to grow in what we know. Help us to obey. Help us to stand for for that which we do know. That we were blind, but now we see. We were lost, but in Christ we are found. That Jesus is the light of the world. He gives grace, who pursues sinners like us. It's in Jesus' great and good name that we pray. Amen.